Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Life Study emphasizes the capital L life that can be found in the scriptures. Jesus himself said in John 6:63, "The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life." This is the fruit of over 70 years of ministry by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Watchman Nee began his ministry in China in the 1920s and it continued until his imprisonment and eventual martyrdom in the 1970s. Witness Lee brought this ministry to the United States in 1962 and began speaking these life study messages in 1974, completing it in 1995. To find out more, you can visit our website, lifestudy.com. Again, that's lifestudy.com. Now, let's join today's program. The Bible often speaks of God's love, and we take great comfort from the love of God. But the Bible also speaks very much about the things that God hates. You may say, well, I know that God hates sin. That's true. But specifically, there are a few sins that God hates above all others Mm. because they damage the very person of God and his Christ, or they damage his corporate expression which is the body of Christ. Many times, it is verses from the Old Testament that help us to see these things if our eyes are open. Listen to Deuteronomy 13. You shall follow Jehovah your God, and you shall fear him, keep his commandments, listen to his voice, serve him, and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has advocated apostasy from Jehovah your God apostasy, an Old Testament word, but there's a New Testament equal that we'll find out about on this life study from Deuteronomy. Francis Ball has joined us again. Francis, uh, I'm glad you're here today. I believe we're going to see a little different picture of what God is really like and what he likes and dislikes that we haven't seen before. That's a good way to put it. I think we're going to get an insight into the heart of God, not just the heart of love, but As we are created in his image, we know we have the capacity for love and we have the capacity sometimes for anger. Well, so does God, as we're going to see in many of these verses today, aren't we, Francis? Yes, I think we're in for a a sobering time today. We come to chapter 13 now in our life study of Deuteronomy, Francis, and it deals with this evil that we just read about, the Old Testament word apostasy. It has a New Testament counterpart, as I mentioned a moment ago. And in the New Testament, the word is heresy. But we shouldn't forget the context of this portion. Coming on the heels of Deuteronomy chapter 12, regarding the oneness of God's people on the positive side, and conversely, the warnings that are associated in Scripture with division among God's people. Francis, while it's still fresh, let's review this point. I've selected a couple of verses from chapter 12 to sort of set the stage again. Be careful that you do not offer up your burnt offerings in every place that you see, but in the place which Jehovah will choose in one of your tribes, there you shall offer up your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I am commanding you. What is the point that we saw associated with, and this language is used again and again in chapter 12, isn't it? Yes, it is, and it uh, draws our attention very much to God's choice of where and how his people should meet and keep the oneness 
of the body of Christ. His people on the earth at that time, of course, was Israel. What we're talking about today is the picture that this paints for us in our Christian life today. We saw in chapter 12 that Jerusalem is the place of God's choice for his people to come and meet together and bring their offerings. At set times in the year, they were to meet there without any other sinner set up. When they came to Jerusalem, they came from every tribe, even as far north as where Dan was. They were all to come to this one place, and God was very definite about this kind of keeping the oneness. He chose the place, and he gave the word about their coming together at certain times of year, always to keep this one accord. As we saw, Francis, it's not so much the physical place now in the New Testament, but the principle represented by this, and that is the oneness of God's people is critically important to God and also to us as God's people if we desire to be in a place where we can expect and experience his blessing, isn't it? That's right, because we have in the Old Testament the picture with Israel of what we experience in the New Testament as the church. One other item touched me, and that is the matter of putting our convenience, which really often dictates our choice, above God's expressed way and his ordained way. And you mentioned Dan a moment ago. Of course, we know if we go back into the history of uh, the nation of Israel, uh, the nation divided at one point in time, and another place was set up in Dan because it was much more convenient for those tribes and those uh, uh, members of the nation of Israel that were living in the northern region, and it just seemed logical to set up a more convenient place of worship. But this violated the principle that God had established, didn't it? It did, and that is a very serious matter that we really need to pay attention to because God is a God of oneness and of purpose, and what he does is for his own purpose— not just for our convenience. We are not the ones to make the choices. We're the ones to heed his word and follow his way. Well, what is represented in chapter 12 are these two things, or really the two sides of the one thing, the oneness of God's people or the division among God's people, division being something that God expressly forbids and hates because of the damage it does. Uh, We have this matter now that's raised in chapter 13 in the verse that I read a moment ago uh, regarding apostasy. Uh, Apostasy represents perhaps the greatest sin that man can commit before God. We're going to find out about this as we join Witness Lee for our first portion today. Now we come to chapter 13. Chapter 12 is on keeping the oneness. And chapter 13 is on apostasy. What does this word denote? Apostasy. In the Old Testament, apostasy denotes that God's people give him up and go away from him and follow the idols. They take the idol way. That is apostasy in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, it is what? It is uh, not believing that Christ is God. Not believing that Christ as God came in incarnation to humanity. In other words, in the New Testament, apostasy is to deny Christ as God becoming a man. Because this matter, you have to realize, God becoming a man. This is hard for people to realize. Much harder than 
God's being in the universe. God's being, God's existence in the universe is a mystery. We do not only help people to know that there's God, we have to go further to help them to know this God today becomes a man. This is more difficult. If you say Jesus is Christ, everywhere people say, what is this? What is this? Why Confucius is not God? Why Socrates is not God? Why Jesus only is God? This is harder. So there is such a thing today on this earth that is a kind of modernism that doesn't believe Christ is God becoming a man. This is the New Testament apostasy. For these two things, for division, and for this New Testament apostasy, the New Testament deals very strictly. Turn to Second John, verse 10 says, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, what teaching? That Christ as God came through incarnation to be a man. So, what? If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house. Francis, he spoke it very clearly that in the New Testament, apostasy today, or the real heresy today, is to not believe that Christ is God come in incarnation into humanity. Very few people really don't believe that there is any kind of God. God is mysterious, but there's enough evidence that most people acknowledge God in some fashion. But specifically, God come in the flesh as Christ is really the point at issue here, isn't it? That's right, and that is a very, very crucial point because this unbelief that Christ is God is really the heresy that destroys God's very nature, very person. It's against Christ, and it's against God. God manifested himself by becoming a man, and he did that by being incarnated. That is, he was born into the humanity, He lived a perfect human life, and that life he was living was living out a divine life that was in him. So this incarnated to being man is crucial for a person to be a believer. If he doesn't believe that Jesus Christ is God, he is not a believer. He's an apostate. He's a heretic. Uh, Like, for example, in 2 John chapter 7, it said, Many deceivers went out into the world those who do not confess Jesus Christ coming in the flesh. Mm. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Or we could say with what we're talking about today, this is the heresy that deceives many people. We know that Jesus Christ is God. I want to now come back to chapter 13 to underscore, as we will see in this coming portion, just how critical, how crucial these things, particularly the apostasy here represented by unbelief in terms of the real person of Christ being God himself, how severely God views this, how important this is to God. Listen to these verses. If your brother, the son of your mother, or your son or daughter, or the wife of your bosom, or your friend who is like your own son to you, entice you secretly, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, You shall not yield to him, nor listen to him, nor shall your eye pity him, but you must slay him. 
and you shall stone him with stones, so that he dies because he sought to force you away from Jehovah your God. Francis, we had a program dealing with the children of Israel being commanded to slay all of the inhabitants in the land utterly and absolutely. And the point that Witness Lee made was that we cannot bring our natural understanding, our natural sentiment to a passage like this and have any hope of understanding it properly. I think that well could be said of these uh, verses as well, don't you think? That certainly is the case because these are very strong words. Let's go back to Witness Lee, Francis. In chapter 12, while Moses was speaking so much, he charged us with one thing. That is, we have to keep the very ground of oneness among God's people. Then in chapter 13, he was very definite in the matter to condemn apostasy. We have to realize that both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it is the same that God hates apostasy and God condemns division. Why? Both apostasy and heresy. These absolutely insult and damage God the person. In the Old Testament, the apostasy is to turn away from God and follow the idols. This was an insult. How could God tolerate this? Then in New Testament, heresy is to deny that our Lord Jesus Christ is God becoming a man. This is the New Testament apostasy. And the New Testament apostasy is called heresy. So heresy destroys Christ, the person. Nothing that damages our Lord in the Old Testament is to deny that Christ is the very God becoming a man. So, both in the Old Testament and New Testament, God and the Lord would never tolerate apostasy or heresy. Why God hates division also? Because division destroys God's people as God's expression. In the Old Testament, it just was God people in a corporate way to express God. In the New Testament, it becomes the body of Christ. In the New Testament, it is no more just God's people or the Lord's children, but his body. Division cuts the Lord's body into pieces. Now, you have to see that heresy destroys Christ's person, the head. Division kills Christ's body. By these two things, the head will be damaged and the body will be killed. Francis, that's a very helpful fellowship to understand, I think, a little more clearly why these two things particularly uh, create such a strong reaction in God. This matter of apostasy uh, or heresy, which affects the head of the body, Christ, God's own person, Christ's person, and then division, which is to carve up and divide his corporate expression, which is his body, uh, really a damage there. These two things are uh, something we should never lose track of, lose a sensitivity for and a keenness for, aren't they? That is really what God's heart is on. And you have a good verse in Ephesians 
that I'm thinking about right now where it speaks uh, of husband and wife, but he says, but I speak of Christ and the church. This is a paramount thing in the New Testament is Christ as God manifested in the flesh and the church as the body of Christ, which is now not just God's people, but it is his body. In the New Testament, we see that the believers are the body of Christ. And to divide up the believers is to divide the body of Christ. God hates this. And he's made no mistake about it. In the Old Testament, he's given us such strict uh, physical examples of what to do. Yes, right. Now, in the New Testament, we have the same strictness, but, of course, not with the physical attack on such people, but to not keep company with them and not to uh, have sympathy toward them still applies. We should not entertain those who cause division and we should not entertain those who deny that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. So these two things are really paramount in God's economy. So to damage either the head or the body, the head by denying the deity of Christ and the body by dividing the believers, these two things uh, must be judged in a very severe and definite, intense way. So he says not to even uh, welcome Welcome such a heretic into your house. Into your house, that's right. And don't have anything to do with them. And for those that cause division, turn away from them. So these are very important things and things that we don't often hear among Christians today, but they still is very much in the heart of God for the economy of God to be realized and experienced. We must keep the faith that Jesus Christ is God. We must adhere to the body by being a member of the body of Christ and recognizing all the believers are members. That is a very powerful word, I think, for us. Uh, We realize that in the Old Testament, especially in light of chapter 12, it was not enough for God's people just to say, well, we're one in spirit, even if we're up here in Dan taking uh, another way, uh, we still consider ourselves to be one in a kind of ethereal way. God is looking for something very definite, very practical in the expression of his oneness, isn't he? Absolutely. Francis, we've talked a couple of times before in this life study, well, many times really, of Deuteronomy as to how frequently Paul's word matched or even echoed Moses. Uh, As we touch these points, I was reminded of a verse we're going to pick up in this coming portion from the New Testament in Romans chapter 16. Paul says, Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you have learned and turn away from them. Sounds like Moses, doesn't it? It does. Very similar. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Well, many sayings, they do have a good heart toward others, which I appreciate. I like to see people having a good heart toward others. Well, he is wrong. He is divisive. But how about we just, we just, we just what? We just cover him with love. Now, how could we, well, because he's divisive, we just turn him away. We just reject him. But please don't forget Moses' word. Even your close friend as your soul. A friend to you so close, just as yourself. As your soul means as yourself. Such a close friend. Yet he or your wife would spread the apostasy. What do you do? Would you say, well, of course, she's wrong or he's wrong, but we have to exercise our love. 
we still have to love them, to cover them. But I tell you, you would tolerate, but your God would not tolerate. No, he would not tolerate. In Romans 16, Paul was a person so proud in his mind, in his heart. He was really generous. You read Romans 14, 15 again, you could see this. But to the nearly the end of the last chapter of the book, all of a sudden, in verse 17 it says, keep a watchful eye on those who make division. Then you turn away from them. No love, no sympathy. How about this? Why? Because division, division destroys the body of Christ. It's not a small thing. It is not a matter of whether we cover, we don't cover, we sympathize with, or we don't. But it is a matter, how about the body of Christ? Francis, we really need the Lord's mercy to enlighten us here, uh, lest we be under misunderstood. Uh, we just have to understand there are things that God does tolerate and allows us to cover in love, but there are things that we may want to tolerate, but he simply just doesn't tolerate, aren't there? That is certainly true. There are certain things that God does not tolerate. I think this is hard for we Christians today to realize that God is that strict and that narrow when it comes to these two matters of apostasy or heresy and the body of Christ. But he is very strict and very narrow. In Romans, for example, in chapter 14, Paul is very broad and very generous, receiving everyone even they have different ideas about how to do things or have how they practice, yet they receive every kind of believer. But when you come to this point, he's very strict. When you get to chapter 16, he says just what you read a while ago. He even urged or exhorted the brothers to mark those who make divisions and causes of stumbling, contrary to the teaching which you have learned, which is the teaching of the apostles, mm-hmm. which is actually the New Testament. And he says, and turn away from them. He doesn't say to go to them and coddle them. He says to turn away from them. In other words, be absolutely definite about what you are. You are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not an apostate and you're not a heretic. You do realize that you were regenerated by the same spirit as your brother was regenerated. And therefore, we are brothers and we're members of the same body. So we should not divide from one another. We should be one. This is what's in our previous chapter, the oneness of the body and how to practice this oneness. I appreciate that you underscored his word here about Paul in these last three chapters of Romans 14, 15, and 16. There's a marvelous pattern here set up by the apostle as to what to be general about and what to be specific about. And our problem as believers is we often are general about what God wants to be specific about, and we're specific about what he is general about. (laughs) (laughs) That may have been confusing, but I think uh, there may be something there that people could relate to. I want to mention as we close today, Francis, in addition to the printed life study of uh, this Deuteronomy message, a book that comes to mind by Witness Lee called The Generality, Practicality, and Speciality of the Church. And this really goes through those chapters in Romans, as well as many other references to help us understand how we receive all whom God has received, yet how we have to be so diligent 
to guard the oneness that he died to obtain among his people. Uh, Again, I'd recommend this book. If you'll call us on our toll-free number, we can tell you about it and how to receive it. It's called, again, The Generality, Practicality, and Speciality of the Church. If you get any of those words in any order, I'm sure our operator will know what book you're talking about. Our toll-free number, if you would like to call us and find out about that or any of our other materials here, is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Or you can send email to radio at lsm.org. And that's all the time we have for today, Francis. I hope everyone will join us again. We have another marvelous life study from the book of Deuteronomy, and it is really opening up in a tremendous way, isn't it? It certainly is. We're seeing aspects of God's dealing with his people that we didn't realize. For Francis Ball today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.